Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, what happened behind the walls of a nursing home is some of the residents came very close to the end. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Yep, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to show your real ghost stories with us. You can write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. We'd love to get your story and share it on the air. And I'd also love it, too, if you uh, care to support our program and help keep us on the air. That's a big, important part of this thing, too. Uh, You can do that by becoming an extra podcast person, an EPP, as we call them. Well, with that, you get a bonus episode of the show every week, one extra that's exclusively for you guys with some of our best storytelling in it. Uh, You also get uh, our ebook, our audio book. You get advanced episodes of the show, and they're all ad-free. Yeah, two ways to get it. You can go right through uh, our website, ghostpodcast.com. Uh, and sign up through that and download them that way. Or uh, Patreon. Patreon app has it uh, there. $5 a month either place. Patreon.com slash Real Ghost Stories to sign up uh, and uh, join us there. And you can use that app and it's uh, it all works out lovely. We uh, greatly appreciate the support. Tony and Carol Hughes joining you on today's episode. How are you this fine day? I got to tell everybody about my story. Yeah. So I have... Im- I bought this house the same week Tony bought his house. Um, very different homes. Though. Yes. <laughs> but, um, so I have a really big backyard and I have two sheds and one's a nice metal shed with electricity. And the other one is like this fallen down shed that was probably built in 1940 when the house was built. Uh-huh. But um, one of my friends, when they first came over, called it the murder shed. And we've affectionately called it that ever since the murder shed. And, I don't have bad vibes about it necessarily. Necessarily? Well, I've had people walk in there and say, they said they did. Okay. But I haven't. Have you gone in there though? When was the first time you stepped foot in there? The day I bought the house. Or maybe before I bought the house. And no vibes from you at all? Hmm. It's creepy though. Okay. But I don't have a bad creepy feeling about it. Okay. So I have a fire pit and my neighbor had a bunch of firewood he gave me. So I'm like hauling it back and I'm like, I'm going to put it in the murder shed (laughs) because it would stay dry. And so I'm hauling. It took me like 10, you know, I don't have wheelbarrows, so 10 trips back and forth. (laughs) And after like the third trip, I walked in and I look over and I'm like, what the hell is that? And it's something wrapped in black plastic and it's like long and it has sort of like a zip tie around it in a few places, like whatever it is, it was meant to be wrapped up really good. So I texted you and I texted my sister and my niece and I'm like, what the hell is this shit? And they texted me right back and they're like, what is it? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, You think I'm going to open it? There's no way. I didn't even touch it. I'm leaving it. So later in the day, my friend Phil came over and I go, come to the murder shed because you guys see what's back there. It's always great when you get to Carol's house, come to the murder shed. 
everybody knows which one is the murder shed too. Because it's like you walk in the backyard, and you're like, oh, that's the murder shed. So he like reaches over to touch it, and I'm like, don't touch it. And he's like, what? Oh, it's crutches. So it's a pair of crutches because you can feel that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. But super wrapped up in black plastic to where there's like a layer of dust over it. I mean, it's been there. I showed you the pictures. Yeah, yeah. Pictures kind of look like it might be a dead body. Or parts, body parts, yeah, I was thinking. Like leg or two. Yeah. And so like, what? what? Why are they back there? I, and I'm not touching him. I'm not going to ever move him. I haven't went back in the murder shed later, and I'm like, hey, just so you know, store my wood back here, but you can keep your crutches. I don't need them. I'm Do not going to mess with them. I'm not going to move them. Are you wondering if some, if, if whoever had the crutches is in the is in the murder shed? I don't know. And like the girl who lived here before me, she had the house for two years, and she's like 20-something-year-old. They're not hers. Yeah. She wouldn't wrap up a pair of crutches. You know, and usually if you're going to move something like crutches, you would just throw them in the back of the car. You wouldn't wrap them up in plastic and zip ties. Well, and it's interesting that they sat there the whole time she was there, too, and never been touched. I'm not touching them. Would you touch them? No. I mean, it's like finding an old wheelchair. Or like when you see a wheelchair in an antique store, it's like, uh, it's creepy, but I don't want that in my house. Because it's like, well, what was going on with the person? And and obviously, you know, you can have crutches and not death is not your next step. But, you know, there's times, you know, older folks or something or you got them. It's it's just kind of like any sort of medical equipment, not like a hang on to item unless you're going to be using it. Uh, And and that. And and if you are going to hang on to it, why would you wrap them in plastic with zip ties? I guess, you know, they're oddly shaped. I mean, you could put them behind a door in a closet or something, but. Maybe they just didn't want them in the house because they were just, you know, taking up weird space. I don't know. But, you know, there's probably a logical thing there in your murder shed. That said, it's not like I'm like, oh, my God, it's so creepy. I mean, because I don't really feel I continued with like five more loads of wood after I saw that. Yeah. That crutches, well, whatever. I didn't know they were crutches at the time. You're going to end up reading some story where it's like a flat, like one of the like Friday flashback Wichita feel goods. And they'll like flashback to one of the BTK murders. And, and you never did find the crutches. <laughs> exactly. It's like one of the like. Pre- oh, and, shit, I yeah. got him in my murder shed. Well, now that we mentioned that, I'm, someone's going to try and do research on that. And they'll be emailing you shortly if that is in fact a thing. So. <laughs> They'll have to open them up, and then they'll, you know, take evidence pictures. Maybe you'll, maybe you, right there, without even knowing it, has helped solve a mystery, as Robert Stack would say. You, you might have just, maybe there's something there that could That's be the what missing my piece. Niece said she's like, you know, maybe you could solve a cold case <laughs> exactly by, by opening them up, and I'm like, <laughs> no. I just, you know, it's just that weird feeling. It's yeah. like they've been back there for so long. Yeah. That they obviously belong back there. And then there's like, there's not very many things back there. There's like an old coffee can Mm -hmm. with really old metal, um, like refrigerator magnets. But they're metal, like clips. That's kind of neat. They're super cool. But I'm like, I'm not going to touch them. They can live back here. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, they're so removed. It's all seems like very removed from another place in time. It has not been touched. So... 
I don't blame you. I, I, I keep us updated if anything happens there, because this seems to be the first house that's not haunted or, or is haunt, not, ha- not haunted, not haunted, not that's not. Why I'm like, I ain't messing with it. At least the shed maybe is. Crutches can stay in the murder shed. Yeah, it's creepy. Uh, eight, yeah. five, we should uh, maybe we could uh, auction them off for charity or something. Get uh, Carol's uh, murder shed uh, crutches and autographed. I don't know. Maybe we'll do, we could no, do that. No, because I'm afraid if you remove them, oh, yeah. you piss something off. Spend a night in Carol's murder shed. Yeah, that could be the yeah, prize. Yeah, that's cool. If right you there. Do, you know, I've got a nice swing right there. <laughs> there you go. Hang out. Mer- I do have electricity in the other one if you want to read or something. <laughs> Merry Christmas, honey. I got you a, a one-night stay at Carol's murder shed. What the fuck are B-B. you talking It's a podcast I listen to. I got it. I want it. We're going this weekend. Get a get, I get spent a sitter. Fifteen dollars yeah. to get it. <laughs> Make sure you call the sitter. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's get our uh, story here. It says, "Hello, I work in a small nursing home in a small town where if you blink, you will miss it." I started working at the home in the residential unit about six years ago. Over these past six years, I'd accumulated a few short stories, most coming from when I worked 11 to 7. To start, I need to try and explain the layout of the building. There's a long hallway that resides, or that residents' rooms line. This hallway also leads to the dining room because this part of the building is an older part of the home as it was once an actual residence. Then built on over the years, this hallway is straight, then juts out to the right, and then it's straight again. On that wall is just before the medication room, and the two closets that have linen storage in them. From these closets, you can see all the way down the hallway to the dining room if you look at the right angle. This is where I'll start. It was on one of my first many overnight shifts. I was still training on that shift. After the second shift left, maybe an hour after my coworkers and I were taking in the medication room, when I heard the noise of walker wheels squidding, uh, uh, skidding across the floor, which was a typical sign someone was up and about, I walked out, looked down the hallway, the closets, and saw a figure. I couldn't make out who, as the hallway was dark, walking down towards the dining room from one of the rooms closest to the dining room. I walked back to inform my coworkers that I was going to go see who was up and a whole 10 seconds it takes to do that and start walking down. The figure was gone, thinking that maybe they went to the dining room to sit down as the residents do tend to do when they can't sleep. When I got to the dining room, no one was there. I walked back, checked those first few rooms to see if someone was getting back into bed in the bathrooms, even the staff break room, which is located in that hallway thinking maybe a confused resident was getting into some staff snacks and I just missed it. The first time down, no one. Walked back to the dining room and up to the area. It's now the lobby area, up to the nurse's station at the end of that ramp that goes towards the skilled unit. Knowing that if someone walked up by the nurse sitting there, would see them. Again, no one was there and the nurse stated that no one had come up. I went back down to the medication room where my coworkers were still talking and told them that I didn't find anyone and everyone was in bed. They didn't look surprised and proceeded to tell me stories of their experiences, which I don't remember now. Another story I have is when I was working the second shift in one of the uh, tasks to do at the end of the night after the residents are in bed is to pick up the trash. I just walked out of the room from getting the trash when I felt the need to turn around. I did and I didn't see anything. 
I was hit with a sense of sadness, confusion, and dread. The feeling was so strong I could not move for about three minutes, but it felt as though it was longer than that. When I was able to move, I felt tears starting to build up. I wiped them away and walked off to the next room, but the feeling stayed with me for a few more minutes, wearing off gradually. I've never considered myself to be any kind of sensitive or anything of the sort. When it comes to places being haunted, I'm very scientific and logical. I, however, cannot explain these events unless there is something I missed. I'm open-minded, however. If someone has an explanation, I'm willing to hear it. Love your show. I'm an EPP and love it. I listen whenever I get a chance on my way to and from work and while I'm home and just whenever I can sneak in an episode. I'm an introvert, so having your show to listen to makes me laugh and keeps my mind occupied when I'd usually be overthinking. I'll write in more if you wish. Thank you. And yes, we would wish. We'd love to hear more from you. Thoughts on that story? I totally believe there was something there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And you know, sometimes those kind of sounds, they're so distinct. And especially when you're working and you're used to that sound of whatever it might be, someone walking out of the bathroom or someone walking down the hall. You know, it sounds a certain way Mm -hmm. and you get used to it. Yeah. So when you hear that, you know what it is. Mm -hmm. And then not to have anything there. Yeah, that would, that would be the most confusing because it's just it's one of those things. No question about it. You know when your front door opens or when your porch door opens. There's there's different sounds associated with these things. You know when your vacuum cleaner is is running in the other room. You know when the what dog is walking uh, through the house because of the sound of their collar. There's just certain things. And then if you go out there, 100% expecting to see what you think should be there and it's not there, that's disconcerting. Right. Very, very uh, creepy experience. And uh, I'm, I'm sure one of those things where uh, it'd be very difficult to pinpoint who might be in that uh, in, in that ward uh, at that nursing facility. Just, you know, from all the people that kind of come and go uh, over the years, unless you could really get down and see exactly who it was. But I think we know where Carol's crutches came from. <laughs> And that was the. I have the crutches if you need them. That's the special part of the story here tonight. We reunite you with the crutches through story. It was a surprise. We've been working on all weekend. They're all wrapped up and safe. (laughs) Ah, creepiness. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's jump over to a phone call. Hi, let's hear your story. Hi, my name's Jack, and uh, I had a rather strange situation that uh, lasted about six months and actually had lasting effects for the rest of my life um, regarding what me and my family believed was a possessed motorcycle. Um, I, uh, I wouldn't think that, you know, advanced technology could be possessed, but... Uh, um, once you hear the rest of this story, you'll understand. Um, in 2011, I uh, um, I got the first large tax return I had received in quite a while and uh, decided that I grew up on motorcycles and um, decided I would like to have another one. So started looking on online and... Um, 
as I'm looking online about the third day that I'm searching, I find an ad as I'm clicking the refresh button. I find an ad that says 2005 Suzuki Hayabusa free restriction pristine condition call Dallas, Texas and it gave the phone number. So I called and this woman informed me that her husband got caught cheating on her and um, so she was having a fire sale. Everything must go. And uh, so she is selling this gorgeous, extremely rare, exotic motorcycle for $3,500. So myself and my son, we, uh, we load up in the truck, and uh, we take a trailer down with us. We go down, take a look at the bike, and it is just as advertised. It is a gorgeous fire engine red with um, a uh, gray and black Peregrine Falcon Hayabusa logo on the sides. Um, just an, an immaculate bike. And it needed tires. Um, so we trailered it back to our hometown, had a buddy of mine order tires for it online, and took about a week to get, get it back, or test drove it, anything like that. Uh, so when I got it out of the shop, I had my son drive me over to the, to the, the repair shop, and I told him I'm going to take it out and blow the cobs out of it, see how it does. And so I went out on a, on a ride for about two hours. Met him back at the house. My son was there. My girlfriend was there. Her daughter was there. And so uh, when I walk into the house, um, as soon as I stepped off the bike, I felt incredibly tired and incredibly sick. I felt nauseous. I could barely breathe. Um, you know, just, I mean, I physically felt horrible. And at the time, I was a very, very extremely fitness-minded person. I was actually, I had just come off of the pro mixed martial arts circuit. Um, I worked days in the oil field. At nights, I worked as a bouncer in a biker bar. And in the afternoons, I coached young men in uh, mixed martial arts, freestyle grappling and submissions, and Wen Chun. So fitness was a big part of our lives. And I never got sick. I don't wasn't a drinker, anything like that. So... Um, nothing that was going on really made sense. Well, I pulled the bike into the garage, stepped off the bike, started feeling sick, and my, my three dogs, we had two pit bulls and a chihuahua, and they came running down the hallway to greet me at the garage door, and as soon as they turned the corner and they saw me, 
they whimpered and ran away. And so I staggered into the house and told my girlfriend, who was asking if she could go for a ride, said, I don't feel well. I'm going to go lay down for a couple of minutes. We'll go later. So now that was the first month, February, and into the into the second month, we had went out on a couple of short rides, you know, go around town, ride it to go have dinner, you know, things like that. Nothing long. Anytime I went on a ride, say, longer than 60, 100 miles, I got physically ill. Now, everybody kept noticing these drastic personality changes as well. One in particular was I have always been a very faithful person. If I'm in a relationship with somebody, I am with that person. I don't even think about another woman. But as soon as I went on that first ride, every woman that I saw was... You know, hey, is there a chance? Is there, you know, something? And that was very unlike me. Um, You know, I was flirting with women that I shouldn't have been flirting with at the bar, different things like that. Um, At the same time, I'm not feeling as well. I'm not, not performing as well in the gym. And this just progressed further and further. Now, we've had the bike for about a month towards the end of March. Um, my, my boss from my day job called me and asked if we would like to ride over. He was a Harley rider and wanted to know if we wanted to ride over and listen to this band at a bar in the next town over. So my girlfriend and I were like, sure, sounds good. I'm off tonight. Let's go do something. And we jumped on the bike. As soon as we got on the bike, started leaving town, some local kid in a Dodge Charger started trying to mess with us in traffic. And uh, we got to the final stoplight on the edge of town, and she tells me, just pitching. And so as soon as the light turned green, we're on a four-lane highway. As soon as the light turns green, we race. And as soon as we race, I shoot up to almost 165 miles an hour. Now... I am on what at the time was the world's fastest motorcycle. And so I haven't even really gotten into the throttle yet. And so we're doing 165, blow this guy's doors completely off. And when we make it out of town, um, as we 
started approaching the next there was a bridge where the road just barely dips and for a split second the road in front of you isn't visible just for that fraction of a second and in the other lane there was a white pickup in front of me so I start decelerating 145 135 125 115 and I'm down to right at 100 miles an hour as I'm passing this pickup just after sundown and he hits a deer and throws the deer in front of the motorcycle. I hit this deer at 100 miles an hour. Shattered the front cowl, shattered the fairings. The deer wrapped around my body and cut the leathers on my jacket on both shoulders we did not lay the bike down miraculously, and neither of us had any injuries whatsoever. Nobody can explain that. The highway patrol couldn't. Uh, the insurance adjusters couldn't. Nothing. So everybody comes out, looks at the scene of the accident. Highway Patrol says, will the bike start and run? I start the bike up, and he says, you know, you're free to go. So we limp the bike back to the house, and at this point, I'm terrified of this bike now, just afraid of it. Don't want to ride it anymore. I'm back to driving my pickup everywhere I go. But when the insurance adjuster comes out, he tells me, you know, there's going to be a large settlement on this purely because of the value of the bike. Okay. So we get this large settlement, and he says, do you want us to total the bike? Do you want it back? How do you want to go about it? I said, well, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to rebuild it. And he's like, are you going to keep it? And I said, I don't know if I'm going to keep it, but I'm going to rebuild it. And that's where his story ends. So I, I do like, I would like to know more. Does he rebuild it? Where does it go? What happens? So please do call back and inform us of the other half of that story, because it was not anywhere on our audio files where he called in. Um, I was hoping maybe he called back the next day, but no. What do you think of that one? More. Um, I don't know, because, like, you know, when he was talking about getting sick after he got off the bike and would feel really bad when he went on long rides. Yeah. I don't know about motorcycles, but it made me think of, like, some kind of exhaust smell. Sure. That maybe, you know, so maybe there's an explanation for that. I don't know. But I think there's we're missing a key part of this story. The whole hitting the deer thing was weird. Like how you hit a deer at 100 miles an hour and you don't yeah, end up severely injured. I don't know. But I'd like to hear the rest of the story. Yeah. Uh, said that the motorcycle is possessed. Yeah. 
what I'm wondering if there's something attached to the motorcycle. I'm wondering, number one, well, I want to. Well, yeah, because yeah. is there a part of the story where, because didn't he say that the woman was like, it, the motorcycle belonged to her ex or something like that? Yeah, she, the, the story that he got was that the husband had been cheating and, yeah. uh, and she was having a fire sale and selling everything. So the first question I'm going to have is going back all the way to there and saying, okay, what happened to the husband? Or was the husband murdered or something by the wife? And oh. and this was like his prized possession. And, exactly. and and he was just kind of jealous, you know, that that this guy was, you know, riding around and, and didn't get the value. I mean, it didn't get the value for the, the cycle that it, it should have been and all that. And just, you know, being a ghost. Uh, and maybe that's the illness thing. But then also maybe a protection thing at the same time where it's like, I'm jealous of the guy. I'm going to be kind of a dick, but I don't want him to die. And... Then when the motorcycle came in contact with that deer, maybe that he was the one that helped block that deer and saved him at the same time. Because that does not sound like a possessed motorcycle at that point. It sounds like an attachment to the motorcycle. Yeah, it sounds like he was helping him. Yeah, it's not like it's like steering itself or doing anything like that. I think that there's this there was someone or something attached to that motorcycle and it, it could have been the guy it, it couldn't maybe not too i mean it could be something where a certain part on that bike you know was involved with another situation of some sort uh where it was a prized possession the person's gone and they're still attached to their bike and that's you know they're in the i don't know the fender i don't know i don't know what was on um, what what parts are technically on a motorcycle i've never been a motorcycle person um so, but but there could be something like that going on too, because we we've had stories like that where parts from other vehicles or whatever it may be, transportation vehicles used in other ones, and ends up being a haunting. Yeah, we need the rest of that story. Yes, please call and give us the rest of the story. Good old Paul Harvey. That's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, become an EPP, an extra podcast person. Sign up for that at ghostpodcast.com uh, or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Five bucks a month gets you access to all of our bonus content for you to binge away on new stuff for you every single week. Until next time, for Carol and all of us at Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.